Psalm 23, I don't think there's a better known psalm. Any other psalm that you know better than Psalm 23? No? This is a psalm that I very often read when I sit with someone in the last moments of his or her life. This psalm is a comforting psalm. It helps us to cope when we go through the dark valleys in our lives. Now, the people of old never had numbers for specific psalms. So if you would say to a Jew a few hundred years ago, let's read Psalm 23, he wouldn't know what you're talking about. Because the psalm's title was the first line of the psalm. So the first line of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, would be the title. That's how people knew the psalm. Now if you look at the book of Psalms and you see what precedes Psalm 23, you will know that Psalm 22, which Jesus quotes on the cross, the name of that psalm was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 cried out to God because of the feeling of abandonment, of loneliness. Psalm 23 moves into the mode of fearless trust. The psalm says that God never forsakes us. Anybody who read this psalm in Israel would immediately have remembered something very significant when they read it. Because in the worship of Israel, they read the psalms, and we think it's a very personal psalm, Psalm 23. But actually, when David wrote this psalm, he also remembered the history of God with his people. So this psalm is not just a personal profession of faith. It also helped people to remember the great deeds, the great, great acts of God in history. So, so what was the first thing that they would have heard when they read Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The first thing that they would know is that this God that they worship is the one that provides. I shall lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He provides. But look at the word that is used for God. You'll see it's in capital letters. And in the Hebrew, the word that's used, we say, is Yahweh. The God 
of the covenant. The God that was involved in the history by liberating them from Egypt. So the moment they said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lacked nothing. They also remember what was written in other parts of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 7. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. God provided. He provided. The providing shepherd has always guided them to places where he could give them what they needed. Psalm 23 verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He walks in front of us. He walked in front of them and guided them. And we know how he guided them in the history to places of nourishment and water. Psalm 80 verse 1 says, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. And Psalm 77, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This shepherd providing for us gave them water when they were thirsty. He gave them manna when they were hungry. God provided in every need that they had. His guidance and his provision could never be separated in the life of Israel. By his guidance, he's bringing his sheep to that places, those places of fullness of life that they needed. We can confess in our own lives how God provided every time when we were in deep trouble, how He provided at the right time for us. We see this in the rest of the Bible as well, how God guides people to the right places in order to nourish them and strengthen them. Jesus says that in him we find this fullness of life. He says, I am the good shepherd. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In Jesus, the good shepherd, we find total provision. He guides us to himself so that we can find this fullness of life. When Ezekiel speaks out against the religious leaders of his time, he describes God as this good shepherd again. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel. I will tend them 
in good pasture. This is the shepherd that provides. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Jesus spent his whole life to bring us to this point of fullness of life. To give us the absolute best that we can get. That's why Jesus tells us about God who is like a shepherd. Always concerned about his sheep. He's concerned about that one sheep that went astray. And he leaves the 99 sheep to care for the one that needs him most. You see, God, the God of the Bible, is concerned about us. He always guides us back to himself because with him and in him we find rest, we find nourishment for ourselves. There we are restored to the fullness of life. Only with him, Jesus says, we find everything we need. Why would God do that? Psalm 23 says, His guidance is for His name's sake. It is because He has honor in it. The honor of His name is at stake when He guides us. He made promises and He will fulfill it. His name is at stake. Psalm 106 verse 8 says, Yet He saved them. Why? For His name's sake. To make His mighty power known. <coughs> God is the God of honor. He keeps his word. I don't know what your needs are today and what, what makes you scared about 2017. Maybe you need spiritual guidance. Maybe it is material things. Psalm 23 confesses that the God who acted in history is our shepherd providing for us. And therefore, we can do only one thing in response to this. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. He is the provider for us. He cares for us. And we need to worship Him. But the second thing that the people who read the psalm would have heard is that because the Lord is our shepherd, 
we are also safe. Yes, the psalm speaks about certainties and security that the Lord will provide. It speaks in simple language that all of us understand. But it is not spoken from the perspective of someone who knows no trouble. Because there's something cheap sometimes in the way that we talk about God that He will provide. And we don't remember that there are also the dark times in which it is difficult for us to place our trust in Him. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He knows about the valleys of the shadows of death. And maybe this is something that lies ahead for us in this year that we will have to cope with. The psalmist says, I will fear no evil because the Lord is with me. A. van Ruler, a Dutch theologian, says, Nobody is protected against these ways of darkness. When we read about green pastures and quiet waters, it seems as if life in companionship with God is a lovely, idyllic existence. Although it is the case, we should understand that darkness and horrible experiences of life are a part of our life with God. When the Lord took them from Egypt, He guided them through a pillar of fire and a cloud. He led them through the Red Sea when Pharaoh wanted to take them back to Egypt. He protected them. And once again, we hear the incredible parable of parallel with Exodus. Jeremiah says, The Lord brought them out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness. To know God as the one who protects and provides is never a guarantee that there will be no hardships and trouble. The psalmist says that God is not only present when the sun is shining like this morning. He is also in the shadows of our lives, in the depths, in the darkness of our lives. Even though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death. Not if. Just have to be patient. One of my colleagues said. If you haven't had any trouble in your life. Just be patient. It will come. It will be there. It's part of our lives. This is the reality of life. Isaiah 43. We know. When you pass through the waters. I will be with you. Not if you, when you, you will. 
And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, he says, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Psalm 73, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Afterward, you will take me into glory. My flesh and my heart may fail. My existence may stop. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Habakkuk, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It happens. Difficulties will come. Yet, the Lord is with us. That is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that life can throw at us that can ever cut the bonds of God's love for us. Hans-Walter Wolf wrote, I would rather be God, with God in my crisis than without God in my prosperity. The ultimate future that we are promised, the Good Shepherd says again in John chapter 10, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He gave himself so that we can be protected. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Nothing can cut the bonds of God's love for us. Not even the deepest crisis of death and separation. The psalmist is looking forward, therefore, to that day when all the enemies, all the destruction will come to an end. Therefore, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a banquet, he says, awaiting us. We will be the guests. And the host will welcome us with oil and wine, symbols of welcoming in the ancient Near East, but also of abundance and provision. 
That's what we're looking forward to, he says. So what, what is our response to that? I want to tell you a story. Many, many of us order a lot of things from Amazon these days. Online, you order, you click, and you have a next day delivery if you're on Prime, Amazon. This uh, service is then presented with the compliments of Amazon Prime, <laughs> some people would think. No, this is, this is so easy these days. We order, and it's delivered. And then a few days later, you get this email to ask your response on their service, which most of us don't want to fill in, because whether you give four or five stars, it just takes more time. Now, someone said that they dreamt that they went to heaven and an angel was showing him around. We walked side by side inside a large workroom filled with angels. My angel guide stopped in front of the first section and said, this is the receiving section. Here all petitions to God said in prayer are received. I looked around in the area, and it was very, very busy. And so many angels sorting out petitions from people all over the world. Then we moved on down a long corridor until we reached the second section. The angel said to me, this is the packaging and delivery section. Here the graces and blessings the people asked for are processed and delivered to the living persons who asked for them. It was very busy there as well. And finally, at the end of the long corridor, we stopped at the door with a very small station. There was only one angel sitting there, not doing much. I asked, what, what is this? And the angel said, this is the acknowledgement section. And I'm a bit embarrassed. The people receive the blessings that they asked for. But very few sent back acknowledgements. Very few write the service. So how does one acknowledge God's blessings? He said, I asked. Simple. By saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. For who you are. Thank you for what you've done in the past year and also what will be coming to me this year. Thank you, Lord. You see, the Lord assures us of his provision in all our needs, not our wants. And we rejoice in Jesus who said, I have come to give you life in abundance, fullness of life. Psalm 23 says that he assures us that we are safe. We rejoice in the Lord Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd who lay down my life for you and I give you eternal life and no one can snatch you from my hand. He prepares a table before me in the presence of 
of sickness, of cancer, of losses, of depression, and of death. And when I take my final breath, I will be welcomed into His presence with joy and abundance. What is our reaction to that? Psalm 23 says, Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. God will be there to give everything we need for this life and the life to come. And therefore, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Therefore, I will seek His face. I will sit in His presence at His feet. I will say, in your presence, Lord, I always want to be. Psalm 23 is so well known. And we want to receive all the gifts of Psalm 23. But it ends with this total commitment. I will be in your presence, Lord. I will never leave your presence. Because in you, I have fullness of life. Psalm 23 is therefore a way of life. A confession of personal faith. A commitment to the Lord who loves us. I think you all know the story about people who were in a competition with poems and, and read, amongst others, Psalm 23. And then an old man got up. He, he was not an actor, and he just read Psalm 23. And people said that he should win the competition because, you know, you can read Psalm 23 <clears throat> without knowing the shepherd of Psalm 23. But this old man, everybody knew what he read was a way of life, was a commitment, was personal faith. May that be the case in your life in the year to come. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are, what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your protection. Thank you that you always lead us back to yourself where we find this nourishment and safety. And we pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, that we would live in your presence in the year to come, that that will be our greatest desire, 
to be in your presence, to sit at your feet. Show us ways to do that and bring a new commitment to you in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.